Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors at Griffin Air. Visit them at griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. With a famous surname, he's a Canberra boy with Canberra blood and travelled the rugby league compass with great success, but hasn't changed. But who is David Ferner? Question there, Andy. I think sometimes I, I think about that myself, but um, I was very lucky. I grew up in a family there that uh, had very good uh, values as, uh, as a family. Uh, obviously, uh, my father was able to uh, able to administrate those sometimes when I was out of line. But um, and my mum uh, from a country background, so I was pretty lucky. Um, the, my family values uh, I high. I oh, sorry, I hold highly. Um, I born, I was born in a uh, place in Queanbeyan, mm. um, where there was a lot. You know, when I say there's a lot of grounded people there and very proud people there in Queanbeyan that. Um, you probably weren't allowed to be in a situation there to be too big-headed. So what is David Ferner about? I, I, my Once the Raiders got into the competition in 1982 and I was at, you know, like an 11, 12-year-old, it gave me a uh, a goal there to set. So all, all I wanted to do was, was, uh, was wanted to play for the Raiders. And my pathway was through St Edmunds College, as you know, and then yeah, rugby union or, and and rugby league, but for me it was all about uh, or, or, you know competitive. I, I, I'm, I and I still am today. I, I'm just a person. Although you don't see it, uh, I just hate losing. So I was like that as a uh, as a as a teenager there with a probably a and uh, uh, our Christmas. I can throw off our Christmas is about telling stories about what I used to do. You know, <laughs> like when I used to, when I. Let's say just lose me shit. Way, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've mellowed down a lot and, uh, and I'm pretty calm. But I think that could sum me up. I just uh, and I am today. Like I just uh, it's 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 it's. I've always found competition exciting, but um, you know, and learning to uh, to have you know wins and losses has been something of of my journey during football. But it's given me a. It gave me a really good week to week, you know, the rugby league of just testing myself each week. So that I was in the, the right environment there to allow me to, I suppose, express the person I am. You spent most of your junior years as a rugby union player, played for Australia in, I think, the 17s and 21s. Fond memories? Uh, yeah, there was. It was, um, I actually went to a school there in Canberra, there, St Edmunds College. And uh, I, was, I was playing league at the time, so obviously juniors. I started when I was, you know, seven years of age. Went to a uh, Christian brother school there that were that they were a, a renowned rugby union school. Yep. So 
I actually, the first couple of years whilst I was there, I went in there in year six. I played um, both league and union, but it just got to the point there for my parents there, it was just too much. So I had to um, obviously choose uh, union there, being at the school there. But it was something there, to be honest, mate, it was it was a really good, there's a lot a lot of uh, of the rugby union I learnt to uh, to take the rugby league later on in my career. Obviously, goal kicking was one of them, yeah. but it was uh, I was fortunate enough to um, get a scholarship at the OAS. I learnt a lot about um, being professional before I switched back over to rugby league. That's really interesting. What position at Union did you specialise in? <laughs> it's going to shock you, mate, but I was a um, and back then you had a bit of a moulay, but I was a moulay running fullback. Is that right? Number 15. <laughs> I was, mate. I was. Uh, uh, but I loved it because it, it was a real good bond. Of, uh, you know, the, the, look, the, you know, back then it was it was big rugby, you know, obviously yes. rugby union in the schools. It still is uh, in the private schools. But I really enjoyed it because it was all my my classmates, um, you, you were – you were together during the week and then playing on weekends. So it was a really good uh, good time in my life and uh, really enjoyed it. You moved to the Raiders system in the early 90s. Why rugby league? Why now? Was it the family tradition? Was it the challenge? Or in all honesty, was it the opportunity at some dollars? I think it was first and foremost easy to, for me to make that decision. I always wanted to go back to rugby league. Um, I, I actually had two years out of school. So when I was 18, 19, I was playing uh, first grade for, for Queenie and Whites, which was yep. rugby union. Now, that played on a field which was uh, called Camp Easy Oval. Right next to that was the original Raiders Oval with Seaford Oval. Yeah, that's it. So if you can imagine uh, on some of those cold days there when I was playing fullback, and if you remember back then, rugby union used to have uh, pockets in their shorts – <laughs> you know, I'd be sitting back there and waiting to get the ball. Um, and I obviously loved running the ball, but not always did you get it. Yeah. Um, but right beside you, as I said, was Seaford Oval. Now, there's times where the Rugby Union and obviously the Raiders clashed and and all I could hear was the crowd over at Seaford Oval. Yeah. So your mind uh, wanders a little bit. So I wanted to – look, I really enjoyed my time there, but I, I, I really wanted to test myself and go back to rugby league. You debuted round two, 1992. It was against Manly. You immediately had an impact in first grade. Now, this was a really tough time for the Raiders. It followed the salary cap breaches and sanctions, and the club had lost some real quality players over the course of, you know, three or four months. Well, it, there, was a, there was a couple of opportunities there, but I was actually bought, uh, like uh, Tim bought me as a replacement 5'8". Uh, so, yeah, so I, I actually – it was quite a funny journey for me just, be, you know, like before I had that, um, uh, you know, that debut game. Now, I debuted at number 13, so I was in the pack. But those first couple of years there, in, you know, I was playing under 21s. I was playing in the centres and sometimes 5'8". Yeah. I actually – I actually remember coming on, I think it was a trial game, if I can remember it. I actually come on and played a first-grade game, at, you know, like come on at fullback. Now, I've said this to many people, not well. So <laughs> I, I obviously, for me, it was like a real opening, uh, an eye-opener there of the speed that I was up against. So, you know, in, in the, at the club at the time coming through was, the, you know, guys like, you know, Brett Mullins, you know, Jason Croker who started on the wing. Yeah. 
but someone like Mullows, it was just blistering speed. Yeah. So I learned pretty quickly that I wasn't a centre. So I got an opportunity, pushed into uh, the back row, 13, and that's where I made my debut. Who were the guys in those early years that educated you or mentored you the most? Family-wise, it was obviously my father, you know, like a lot of the, the growing up. Um, as in the players and the people that I was associated with in in, uh, in rugby league, uh, I was lucky, obviously, the, the head coach said Tim Sheens. We had players of the likes of uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Stewart, you know, Bradley Clyde, Laurie Daly, and Mal, we had some senior players there, Gary Belcher. So when I arrived at, at the Raiders, the professional side of the game was already there by, with those senior players. So that's what helped me. And, you know, once, you know, the Raiders uh, won the 89 grand final, I arrived in 91. They've already been in, well, that year they were in their third grand final in a row. It was just a winning culture. So the people that were involved to, you know, not only the players and, and the coaching staff there that, that, I was already in going into a professional culture there that was uh, all about winning. So I think that uh, and my personality uh, matched up quite well. Let's fast forward to 1994. Such a great year for you, for the Raiders, a premiership year. This team, wow. Brett Mullins, Ken Nagus, Mal Meninga, Ruben Wiki, Noah Nudruku, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, the forward pack, Quentin Pongia, Steve Walters, Paul Osborne in the grand final. You're in the second row with Jason Croker, and the great Bradley Clyde was the lock. Now, that's a lineup that challenges any team, any era. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I would. Um, obviously, the, the, yeah, as you know, as a, the, the game's gotten faster, but you, know, you, you can adapt to that. But it was a really good blend. So you, you, you mentioned it uh, about. Uh, the salary cap breaches and those sort of things or whatever it was at that time. But it gave opportunities to the younger players, the Kenny Nagas, the Ruben Wickies, uh, Jason Croker, myself, Brett Mullins, uh, Brett Heverington, uh, you know, like an opportunity there. But we were very lucky, and I always say this, it was a, pl- a privilege to play with the players, the likes of Mal Meninga, mm. uh, Laurie Daly, uh, Steve Walters, Ricky Stewart, uh, Bradley Clyde, um, early on in the time there, there was obviously Gary Belcher. There, there was a, a winning group there. And when you have a look at what those players have done in the game, for a young generation to come through there was, I say that, a privilege and, and, and gave uh, great guidance of, uh, from, from, from the senior players. So we had a really good blend of youth and experience in that. And, and our, our, our experienced players were probably – still then were probably the, the, the best players in their position. Some wonderful talent across the team and some absolute superstars of the game. Then there's Mal Meninga, who was a level above and still is in, in many people's eyes. Was it daunting playing with a guy like Mal Meninga or not? Um, look, it was... It, you know, like a, a lot of uh, players that that played in that grand final, they they from the you know they, they'd watched Mal and what he'd done in his career, and then just to be like I, you know, obviously my first year at the Raiders was '91, so before you know we come to that '94 uh, that uh, that period, now Mal was just such an icon and such a great you know great yeah. player. But it, the thing for me was more about his leadership and. 
you know, you didn't have to say much there. You knew if you made a mistake on the field. Yeah. Because <laughs> all the big fella <laughs> had to do was have a look at you and you knew straight away that you've made a mistake. So, again, I say it was a privilege to see how he, one, handled himself off the field yep. and also the way he's, uh, he, how competitive he was on the field. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. It was a team there that, uh, that, that that didn't want to let uh, each other down. We wanted to play our best footy, and we had some guidance of successful players there that had been there before. As you mentioned before, Mal Meninga, uh, Ricky Stewart, Laurie Daly, Brad, Bradley, uh, Bradley Clyde, Steve Waters. So um, it, I think it was a pretty good side, and for that era, I think it was the, the most dominant side. Fernsey, we did an interview with Laurie Daly on the Legends series recently and he said, we weren't arrogant in any way, shape or form, but if you sat in the dressing room and you thought to yourself, if he plays well and he plays well and I play well, we're going to be pretty much impossible to beat. That is a wonderful level of individual and collective confidence that I believe you all possessed. And it's not arrogance, it's just a belief. No, there wasn't. I don't think... Our senior players there, and I mentioned Mal before, who at that time in 94, it was his last year, had achieved so much. This is a, a player there that that, that, that four kangaroo tours. So, yeah. But he never carried that arrogance. He, he played with, you know, like he was such a good player that he didn't allow anyone around him to, to carry on. Yeah, there's no big heads in the team. But you just put it, you know, like, and Loz described it really well, that all you had to worry about is you play your best footy. Yeah. You know, and that's that's I think was the collective success there in the team. We, we it's all about playing our best. And I think every player at the time there it was more about wanting the respect of the players around you to to, to say, listen, you know, like I love playing with yep. with you as a player. You know, that was probably how the how the team was driven. Okay, let's try and find a weakness. If you're coaching against the Raiders in '94, is there a weakness? Um, I think all look. I think all teams. I think, as you know, with the competition, it's a it's a long year. I think it's a funny thing. I know we're talking about ninety four, a uh, ninety four, but I think our ninety five team with the experience was, was I thought thought was better. I think okay. we only we only sort of lost two games, but we never got to the grand final. We got beaten by Canterbury, who we beat in the grand final ninety four. So all teams can be beaten. I think Laurie was spot on there. But if everyone played their game, yep. If, uh, as best they can, it was very hard to beat. I wouldn't say impossible. There's always ways, but I yeah. just reckon Laurie summed it up well. If everyone on that in that team played their best footy, we were very hard to beat. The halves, very different style of player, very different blokes too, Ricky and Laurie, but together, gee, they were amazing. Uh, yeah, Rick. Still to this day, I see, you know, you, 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 you're, I'm involved in coaching. Um, I see the players. Rick was a player there that actually steered the the uh, the ship, you know. So he was like the, the first receiver. Laurie, who I still say, people ask me the question, 
who's the best player you played with. I always say, look, I've I've been privileged. But I say Laurie because he was a yep. complete package. Mm. He could do most of it. He was a very good defender. But together, you know, Rick was able to muster up the forwards. You know, he'd actually he'll steer he would steer us where we where we need to go. All we had to do was run, run <laughs> yeah, run where Rick told us to run because he in his mind he was another player ahead. Yeah. So all we had to do was make sure that we we get some sort of quick play of the ball. And then you'd see that, you know, uh, you know, uh, he'd call a super call there, an overriding call from Steve Wallers to Ricky Stewart, and then bang, it's out to Laurie. Well, then it was too late. You know, then you got you either got Mal or you got uh, Ruben. Then you had Noah and Adruka. All, all of a sudden, you got Mullows. He was just able to guide that around. Whereas Loz, and then if Loz wanted to run, he could penetrate most of the back back, back line. So he was, it was a it, it was an ideal pa- pairing of a half and a five eight. That ninety four grand final, the Laurie Daly try, one of my favourites of all time. And from memory, it was you that actually passed the ball to Loz. So you can be taking credit. You started it. Ferner it is now. Gets the pass away. It's a Daly that capitalises. Runs through the gap. Over the 30. Support is coming. Daly, he won't need it. Daly, he scores. Daly puts it down. Third try. Well, I think that's a try assist, I think. Yeah, exactly need, right. And the, uh, the terminology now, but I will say it was a it was a <laughs> it was uh, a style I learnt in uh, in rugby union. I just popped the ball up, you know, as you do in rugby union. But he was still fifty metres out. Loz had a fair bit of work to yeah. do, <laughs> but I'll claim it, mate. The word gentleman in rugby league doesn't fit everyone, and that's the truth. One it did to a T was Don Ferner Senior, the original an absolute sweetheart of a man that I actually met for the first time in 1989. And he helped me as a year 12 student on an HSC assignment about rugby league. He didn't know me from a bar of soap. I rang up the New South Wales Rugby League unannounced and he invited me in. I was 18 and I asked questions all afternoon long. This was the Don Ferner, former kangaroo, a premiership winning coach, and he'd just been the Kangaroos coach 12 months earlier. He didn't have to. He wanted to help. That was just him. Sadly, Don passed away in February of 2020. The stories about Dad continue, and no one's got a bad word to say. It's pretty rare in footy. It's a lovely reminder of the person that your dad was. I agree. Yeah, Andy, look, I'll... Um... Very proud, mate. That's probably the the best uh, best word I can use for dad. Um, you, you talk about a gentleman. The only time I ever heard my father swear was um, was in a dressing room, and I was age twelve. I was a ball boy, um, but I hardly ever he carried himself that way. Um, he loved the game of rugby league, and as I got older and started to uh, play my own, um, uh, obviously play rugby league. That the, the journey that dad. Uh, the chat that the dad sort of uh, experienced, you know, uh, Toowoomba, uh, Queensland, Australia, like it's just, and then he went to the country, Tumbarumba, um, uh, you know, like the the the, the journeys just uh, and the people I run into uh, as I was playing was just was saying the same things, Andy. I was, uh, as I said, I'm very proud of what my father's achieved, but I think the main thing is is just you know very proud of as him as a father. Yeah, obviously you remember him as a dad. What do you remember him for mostly in in terms of his football? 
Oh, just a passion. Yep. Um, his, 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 his love for the game and the love for – he taught um, how, how – or taught the, the, the uh, my sister and my brother, but taught us how to, to deal with people and respect people. Yep. But the main thing was just respect the game, uh, respect to the people that you talk to the game. And I, I can remember, and I'll still use it, uh, he always – you know, and, and he probably helped um, me sort of handle – like he – he obviously had the fame of, of, of the, the things he achieved in the game, yeah. but just the way he handled people there, he never brushed people away. He never pushed them away. He always said to me, and it was a, I've always kept it, is that just remember it's only five, it's five minutes of your time, but it'll last a lifetime of those people. If they go away with a um, uh, an opinion of, of yourself. And it's always been a really good thing for me to, uh, to be able to, to to take that on, so dad was that was that that was dad, uh, he, and as I said the biggest thing that stands out for me is his love of the game. Everyone terms him a gentleman, and they are right. But a little secret, everyone, he was as tough as they come, tough as a footballer, tough as a man, and on the field, Dave, he had that little bit of mongrel in him as well. It was a perfect mix for a player of his vintage. Well, we're talking about an era there where, you know, you had to learn when you do pass the ball, make sure you get your elbow up. Yes. You know, and, and I think he was very crafty of that. And I remember him telling me a story that, you know, there was, you know, and players sort of, you know, like they obviously eye someone off and they want to take him out. And he, he told me, I, I, have, I can't remember the player that was doing but he tried to take that, that out a couple of times. So this is how he's telling the story. But so when they released the pass to pass it, you put your elbow up, and he, he reckons he caught him twice, twice on the chin. This guy, and knocked him down. And I thought, oh yeah, that, this is a good story. And then he said, you wouldn't want to believe the third time he did the same thing. He's come to get the pressure on. Dad's got the ball away, got the elbow up. The bloke ran at him with a straight fist, and he reckons he put his two tooth, his two teeth, straight through his lips. That's the era that he grew up with. So I think you had to be tough. We hope you're enjoying the David Furness story. Before you go, make sure you've subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening to ensure that you don't miss a thing. And we'd love a five-star rating and review too as we look to expand the unfiltered brand. Make sure you come back soon, legends.